Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I'm joined by Naomi. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. So Naomi is an EFT clinician. She's an author. She's got many hats. And I'm really excited to sort of introduce the healing modality of EFT to the IONS audience. I think that it's a wonderful modality. I've used it in my life and I've seen the benefits of it. And so I'm really excited to give you an opportunity to sort of share your journey with us and and share about this specific kind of healing. So I'm going to pass it right over to you. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Betty. And thank you so much for having me. I love opportunities to share about EFT. And you know, you you mentioned that to your audience that you, it's something that we want to share with the audience. And I'm thinking a lot of your audience is probably thinking, well, I've heard of EFT or I've done tapping because it's just exploded so much, uh, especially in the last sort of five years. But a lot of the people that come to me and say that they've done tapping before or they know about EFT, they've mainly gotten it from YouTube videos, from the Tapping World Summit, from... Um, tap along audios and things like that. And they have this very different idea of what it is. And there, I just want to point out that there are two kinds of EFT or tapping, I should say. There's the kind of tap along, the kind of tapping that you find on the internet, which on purpose is kind of general because tapping can tune you in so fast. And we don't want people kind of going into a traumatic reaction and being triggered you know, when we can't be there personally to kind of use the tools, we've got to set them straight and put them back together. So a lot of what people think of as tapping is kind of palliative, like it feels good in the moment. And they might go, oh my God, I had a shift. This is amazing. But then it kind of went back. The problem either came back or kind of went back to the way it was, you know, a few, a few weeks, days, maybe even a couple of months later. So what I do, what I practice, what I teach is clinical EFT. And the reason it's called clinical EFT is because it is based on the kind, it, that's the kind of EFT used in all the research. And there's been so much research. We can now say EFT, emotional freedom techniques, is evidence-based. In fact, it's the most studied energy psychology modality in the world. And one of the reasons, and nobody's making any money off this research, like there are no pharmaceutical companies making money off it. There's no corporations making money off it. This is people at hosp um, universities. This is researchers going, I just read this paper about EFT. What? You're like tapping on your face with your hands? No, no, no. I, I got I to try that. I got to try it. So they have like a little experience of it and go, oh my God, that's kind of interesting. I no longer have those cravings for chocolate chip cookies. And I've been eating a pack of them a day for the last 10 years. No, no, no. I have to do my own research. I'm going to do a really good study. I'm going to design it really, really well. They raise money themselves. They put their own money into it um, because they're scientists. They're curious. They really want to know, or they, um, they get small amounts of grant money. So all of the research, and it's over 300 studies done worldwide, this is by researchers going, I got to see this for myself, basically. So the kind of EFT that they do has to, of course, be exactly identical so that we can compare apples to apples. That's what the research is about. So that's the kind that I teach, although I do all kinds of tapping and, and so on. The type of EFT done in the research is very personal, very one-on-one. -on -one. So Betty, if I was working with you and you said, I want to work on 
whatever it is, um, I would just, we would tap on and we would talk about specific experiences that you've had in your life, because that's what makes us kind of have the beliefs that we have. The, it makes us have the beliefs about ourselves and about the world and about other people. It's the things that happen to us. And clinical EFT has a particular focus on what happened. How did you experience what happened? Because how do we experience anything through our five senses? You know, so uh, this brings us to, and so in tapping, and of course you can't do this on a YouTube video because that person is doing tapping for a wide range of people and they don't know what people's individual experiences are. But with tapping, we go, what happened to you? What was your experience? And what stands out now in that memory? Is there, you know, a sound, a smell, a taste, a particular visual? And so then we tap, we we tap on these points that acupuncturists put their needles which are proven points that all the research has been done to kind of go, Does those, do those points really matter? Yes, they do. There's a machine, a little tool called a galvanometer that acupuncturists use to, to put their needles that it like lights up and makes um, this big beeping noise when you put it near the actual points, because what it's finding is that bioelectricity, because the body makes electricity, is 4,000 times higher at these spots where, and these are the, the points where we tap. So what we do is we combine this, what's called a somatic um, experience of tapping on these points while recalling the specific experiences that we had. Usually, I mean, a lot of formative stuff happened in the first seven years of our lives. And I have clients remember things from when they were six months old. I've had clients remember being in the womb and knowing that their, <clears throat> their father wanted a different sex and they knew, oh my God, I'm going to be a girl and he wants a boy, you know, like profound. So when people say to me, I can't tap on, I can't do clinically of T because I don't remember my childhood that well. Well, first of all, if you've had a lot of trauma, you don't remember much. It's called the trauma capsule. It's done your body, your psyche does that so that you can get on with life. But your unconscious mind, as it starts to trust, oh, this is gentle. This is really careful. This is, this is, it's specific, but we're being very, very gentle. We're working with dissociation, which is a natural self, a protective mechanism. The body starts to trust. This is safe. This is gentle. Oh, okay. I'll let you know about this thing that happened when you were four. And then a memory pops into your head and so on. And that kind of leads into uh, one of the things, you know, you and I spoke for a couple of minutes before before we began. And my particular interest has always been that intersection between, well, I've always been fascinated in the intersection between science and spirituality. And then EFT came along and I was clinically depressed, like wanted to not be here anymore depressed. And in seven days of doing this tapping, which I was only doing because it felt good. I wasn't doing it because I thought it was going to do anything because there was no research back then. This was about about 15, 16 years ago. And my depression just left after 14 hours of tapping. So I probably did two hours a day for about seven days. Then I was like, what's going on here? And I would try it with people because I was so excited. And they go, I don't really believe in that woo stuff. And I'd say, you don't have to. It seems to kind of work anyway. And they go, I bet it's the placebo effect. And I'll be like, I'm a big fan of the placebo effect. Let's go. <laughs> but I've always been interested in 
spirituality because that's kind of it's like I was born interested in spirituality. I had spiritual experiences from when I was very, very young. And in a nutshell, I can encapsulate it by saying that what's what I've sort of where I've arrived at and where I think my sort of place that I'm teaching is sort of the intersection between the body and the spirit. So I I think in my experience with like thousands of sessions with clients, we've got clients, we have a body, we have a mind and we have a spirit. And you can break it down further. There are all kinds of like, is there a difference between a soul and spirit and our higher selves and our collective oneness and all that stuff. But if we just make it really simple, people used to think that we just kind of, you know, we had a body and we were spiritual and the body didn't matter. And we were just kind of here in different religions talk about the purpose of the body. Some of them say it's just kind of gets in the way. And some people just say, that's all we have is a body. We don't have a spirit. And then with the advent of psycho psychology and psychotherapeutic interventions, there began to be an understanding, Freud and so on, that we have a psyche as well. We have a mind. And then, of course, ancient traditions that talk about how you do meditation to sort of quiet the monkey mind going, you know, from Buddhism. And so it was all about sort of uh, the mind then and overriding what the body wants with the mind. and. There developed this sort of triune understanding. There's body, mind, and spirit. And lots of clients come to me with, they've done lots of spiritual work, or they've done lots of work with their mind, which is talk therapy, reframes. Here's a new way you could look at that. They were just doing the best they could, you know, that kind of stuff. But the body gets left out because your body has its own consciousness. It's like the consciousness of an animal. If anybody here has had a dog, for example, would you, you know, we, we automatically have empathy for hopefully, well, most of us hopefully have empathy for animals and, but we don't have that same empathy for our body. And we think that our body's just this kind of hollow shell. And I've, I've had an experience, uh, I had a spiritual experience, I've had many, but one that I had about, it was about a year, eight months ago or so. I just woke up in the middle of the night and I it was I was I wouldn't say I was outside my body I was beyond my body I was bigger than my body and I don't know what I was dreaming about or if I was dreaming or what but I was suddenly the awareness I was a field of awareness that my body was lying in and my arm was kind of resting up against this pillow and I was going I it's like I was seeing my body in a way that I'd never seen it before. And I went, my body is living meat. And I've heard of NDEs where people are looking at their body and going, yeah, I don't want to get back in there. Thanks. Bye. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. But this was like, my body was living and a lot of the NDEs people's bodies have died. And so it's a different thing maybe because I had just kind of expanded beyond my body and I looked at my arm, I just was going, my arm, and I wasn't looking with my eyes. The room was totally dark, but I could totally see clearly. And I went, my arm is living meat. Well, I've heard bodies described as meat when people rise above them in NDEs. But my, I, my body was living meat. And the word living is important. Because while we are in this body, we have this partnership with our body. 
And often the body's like the little neglected sibling that gets left behind while the big smart kids go off to school, whether it's spiritually or emotionally with, I mean, mentally with cognitive interventions. So what EFT does is it says to the body, it sits down and goes, what happened? Tell me what happened. Just tell me. You can tell me. It's safe. I'm not going to tell you you're not allowed to have your feelings. I'm not going to tell you that you should think of it a different way. I'm just going to let you express, express, express while we send signals to the to the part of the brain that, especially with trauma, the parts of our brain that are traumatized don't understand language. They don't speak language. So you can't say to them, you can't reason with those parts of us and go, oh, well, you know, it's just... Um, you're fine now, even though you thought you were going to die because that was, you know, that horrible car accident or whatever. You're fine now. Conscious, your mind knows you're fine because you're still here. Your spirit knows you're fine because nothing bad can ever happen because nothing bad is true. There's only love, you know, but your body doesn't know any of that. Your body hasn't been invited to that party. And so it's like saying to the body, okay, now it's your turn. Tapping and EFT says to the body, it's your turn. And I'm just going to be the witnessing space while you express the energy of the emotion of the reaction of what happened. And um, people like you that have had profound, impactful, just, I mean, I I listened to your story and I was just so moved and all your viewers will agree because that's why they're watching. You're such a bright light. There is such a, there there is just such, there's there's hardly any barrier between your spirit and your physical. You know, it's just, it's not a lot of heaviness. And because you had such a profound wake up. And people like Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie, those people. And I remember thinking when I was reading Eckhart Tolle and I was going through my depression and I read A New Earth. But I can't wake up that fast. I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can. I'm meditating. And then the pain would come back three days later. And so I look at this like EFT is for like you chose to have that wake up. You planned that before you were born and went, I'm going to have like a sudden reset because I need to take all that horrible experience and turn it into teaching and turn it into witnessing and um, demonstrating for people on an energetic level that it's like you had your own resurrection. It's kind of what it is. You know, look at what, you know, what Christianity says Jesus did. It was all about in the Course in Miracles. I know you're a course student as well. And the Course in Miracles basically said that he resurrected to prove that death wasn't real, not to die for sins and stuff like that. <laughs> was, you know, I mean, it was to it was to prove, look, I can step on one side, I can step on the other side. You are love. You are love. Love is only real. And so um, multiple people that have these experiences where they have a sudden wake up, Give us that hope. Give us that experience of we can see it, that you've done that, and a deep part of us recognizes the truth of it. But how do we get there for the rest of the people? Not everybody has a quick awakening. Sometimes it's a lifetime of slowly awakening, slowly deepening our understanding of the truth of who we are. And um, someone asked me once, because when I was doing the Course in Miracles, I could never remember to do the daily practices. That's how my ego got me to not do them. So I was doing a group meditation and 
the person who was guiding it said, you know, we went through a garden and everything, and then a door is going to open and there's going to be somebody there on the other side of the door who's going to give you a gift. I had a light being who handed me an app and the app was to remind me to do my daily practices. So when we came out and everybody's going around the room, what was your gift? I said, I got an app. And I told what the app was and everybody was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. What's the name? And I was, and I said, oh, I don't. And then in the middle of saying, I don't know, it's like the name came down like a vending machine for mindfulness. <laughs> it was like my guides or this person who gave it to me had just gone, oh, sorry, here's the name. <laughs> and there was a girl there in the group whose daughter had just made an app to help students study for geology tests or geography tests. And she goes, I'll put you in touch with the company in India that made her app. So now I, so I created this app, but then, and then I had a, a meditation, a live meditation uh, site called One Mind Live, which was a membership. Now the material is just free for anybody to, to access. But um, people have asked me, well, you're so big on meditation and you're big on EFT. How, how do those two things relate? And I said, and it, again, it just kind of came like the, the my cosmic vending machine just said, meditation helps you remember who you are and tapping helps you forget who you're not. And I think I'm at the end of my excited blurb and I want to hear, because I've seen you nodding and if you have questions... Oh my goodness. Yes. So much identification, so much nodding. Thank you so much for sharing. I just want to clarify, what does EFT stand for? EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. Okay. Just, I, just in case anybody wants to look it up and yeah, I think that it's so wonderful that you've created your life, you know, like your, your spiritual entrepreneurship around this and created apps and sites and courses for people to use, you know, like to, so that you can be their teacher um, and help them on their healing journeys. I love that. And something that came up for me when you were talking, I was curious, you know, like, I know for me trying to find my way in my spiritual path, like I tried a million different things, you know, like what's my thing. And I just kept searching and searching and searching. Was there anything else that really resonated for you besides EFT and meditation? My whole spiritual journey, well, when I was 11 years old, I started this thing of just, I'd go into the living room and sit on the couch and I would just think about what I, how lucky I was until I cried. And I felt connected to God when I did that. And I I've been interested in spirituality my whole life because I've always sensed um, a loving, supportive presence around me. And I wasn't raised with religion, although my mother was raised, raised with Catholicism. She, she left the church when we were young because of moving from Australia to Canada. And it just, the, the mass was no longer in Latin. It felt weird. So she didn't go anymore. And so, but I had her sort of philosophy, she, her interest in spirituality, but with none of that hellfire and brimstone and punishment kind of vibe. And so my exploration spiritually was about, I want to know this warm, loving, because the contrast, my mother was had a narcissistic personality disorder and there wasn't that nurturing, warm, loving, but I felt it around me all the time. And so I began this journey when I was about 50, I was, I started going to kind of I remember going to like the um the PNE, the Pacific National Exhibition, kind of like county fair 
kind of thing. And there was some village in tent where someone was like, praise the Lord and doing all that. And I wanted, I was really wanted to go in there and I went in and that kind of began sort of my, my journey through lots of different things. And interestingly, like books have fallen off the shelf for me. Like I just walk into a bookstore and I go, what do I need? And then Shirley MacLaine's books fell off a shelf for me, you know, um, set the Seth book, Seth Speaks fell off a shelf for me. Uh, I read the Bible, the New Testament when I was 15, just a little bit every night because I was like, I want to know what's going on here. I became a Catholic in my late teens. And then I stopped in my early 20s because I kind of felt like, well, I I believe in reincarnation and that's not in alignment. So I guess I'm not Catholic anymore. And so it's like I was going along this path and being kind of led uh, by unseen guidance for sure. And Everything I learned, I would kind of just instinctively go, yeah, that's true, or that part's not true. And um, so everything kind of added to the picture. And I've mentioned this before to people. I've never had a firm, yes, belief in something that then turned into a no. I just haven't. Like, you know, in Catholicism, there are some yeses, but there were some Mm, and then later on, oh, this fills that in. So one of the things that um, in, was it my, I think it was like my twenties was Kabbalah. When I was living in Los Angeles, I loved Kabbalah. I went to the Kabbalah center. I started going to, in fact, Madonna was in my class <laughs> and I started going to the, the, um, the lectures and it was, and I just thought this is amazing. This fills in a lot of blanks. This makes a lot of sense. And as I started to get higher up in Kabbalah, these are the books to read. And I read this book that's made some comment about you can't really be Jewish if your mother isn't Jewish. And I went, I'm out. That's that's like a, the second there's club membership with sort of exclusion, it's time to move on to the next thing. Doesn't mean I throw everything away from Kabbalah, but it just meant that I had kind of not that's that's there's there's no complete system. And then Course in Miracles. All right, you know, I read Marianne Williamson's um, Return to Love in my late 20s, early 30s, something like that, and really loved it. But I have to say, when I really got, oh, and then Edgar Casey, I started doing Search for God groups, Edgar Casey groups. That's where I had my first ever meditation. And I think I had a Kundalini rising because, you know, when you don't know that you don't know how to do something, first time meditating in my entire life, one hour meditation. I didn't know that that's hard. <laughs> So I just sat there and kind of did, well, they said, clear your mind. So I did it. And at the, uh, towards the end of the hour, I felt this, I, you know how you can feel a color. I think, you know, you can feel a color. I felt a bright greeny blue energy starting at the base of my spine, shooting up my spine. And when it got close to my head, like crown of my head, I got scared and I just opened my eyes. So I don't know if I interrupted it or if it happened anyway, but it was like 15 years later, I learned what that was. Um, so lots of different things gave me that ex those experiences. And when I actually dug into the course, the Course of Miracles, I love the intellectual kind of, I just happen to love that. I mean, Return to Love is a beautiful book, but I found the actual course and I, and I did the original version. and. Um, Again, it doesn't matter. It's not one's better than the other. It's what do you resonate with? And I resonated with that one. 
And um, so, I mean, I, and I had done, I did, uh, I did um, hypnotic regression with a psychologist in, in California who she used uh, hypnotic regression as to past life regression as a tool. And the first thing she says is, I don't know, you know, it doesn't matter if you believe in reincarnation or not, this tool seems to work. That was kind of her line, you know, or because she was like a registered um, clinical psychologist. And I instantly dropped into like multiple lives and remembered them so clearly. And I journaled about them afterwards. And, um, and so I've gained so much richness just from my own past experiences. Um, and then as I've continued on the journey, and a lot of stuff appealed to me intellectually, but as I've continued on the journey, I've had more and more direct experiences. And something that I, and I get a lot of guidance. I just get a lot of guidance and downloads. And after I, um, I had an experience, just out of curiosity, I just wanted to try uh, I've been doing so much reading about the ego and, and Course in Miracles and so on. I thought, I'm going to do a little experiment. I sat and I tapped. Tapping is a great way to get deep because it kind of, your conscious mind kind of wanders off a little bit. Your unconscious feels called. It's like a dog whistle for your unconscious mind when you start tapping. And I sat there and I just go, I'm going to create a monument to Naomi in front of me. And I just went, I am. And I added female. I am Naomi. I am. And I sat there and I just kept adding saying, I am. And all the things about me, things I like, things I don't like, things like people have said about me, whether they're true or not, just the whole concept, my experience, who I am to different people. And I just kept saying, I am and adding it onto this pile in front of me. And after about 40 minutes, that pile was me. And I couldn't think of anything else to add. And then I just said, I am. And I said, not that. And I stepped back and I fell into nothingness. I fell into another dimension. Mm -hmm. I, it was so amazing. It's like, you know, when you fake a dog out by pretending to throw the bone this way, and then you throw it that way. That's what I'd done to my ego. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And I was just, there was, there was no, there were no other be, I wasn't a being, I was a consciousness. So there were no other beings, but I was so surround, I was love. And I had had this question before of, is enlightenment boring? You know, like, is it boring? Because the, this whole ego circus is kind of, it's kind of entertaining. It's kind of fun. So I was thinking, so what's that like to have like nothing? Like, and uh, so this was experience of like, oh, no, it isn't boring. I, the laughter, the laughter, I see that in you too. I see that you have that sense of laughter, the laughter, because suddenly the words joy and love, the, the little thimbles that we have, which are the containers of those words compared. It's like, it's like if you have a thimble called ocean, but you've never been near an ocean. And then suddenly take some, you find yourself at the ocean and you're like, <laughs> compared to the real ocean that's what it was like and it was joyful and so much love and just just absolutely incredible and I have this thought how I wonder how long it'll take my ego to catch up with me bam there you are there it is <laughs> and so um that experience you hear about, and you know, I, I don't remember if you had this or not too, after your NDE, this kind of, you're on a high and then it's kind of depressing because you want to go home. 
So a lot of people talk about that, right? That that's a a part of the journey that you go through. I kind of had that too, because after that, it was like, what are we here for? Like, why am I doing tapping with people? I don't even really understand what's the purpose of any of this. If when the second we leave our bodies, that's waiting for us. So why are we here? And it, so I sat down with it. It, it, it made me kind of depressed for a while. And I sat not, not depressed. Like I had been before. It was like a more existential kind of crisis. And I sat down, I thought I need to talk to my guides about it. And I sat down and I just started tapping and I just went, okay, so I've got this going on. Um, Can you tell me, I really need to understand like, why are we here? If we get that and everybody gets that we, that's our birthright. So what are we doing here? And I got over a two-day period in two separate sessions, I got told everything. And what basically, in a nutshell, it was about was um, this this plane was called 3D Studio. We're here to create. And the minute you're born, you're creating. You're creating in the womb because it is the nature of a human being to create. But you're only creating from uh, from two materials fear or love. Those are the only two materials there are. And we come here to get better each time at creating more from love than from fear. And I suddenly realized, so what I do with EFT, fear can only be felt by the body. Fear cannot be felt by the soul. Soul doesn't understand fear. It's just love. And so what I come here to do is my role as an EFT practitioner, as a healer of the physical which therefore heals the mental and the emotional is I'm like, um, I'm like a teacher's assistant. I I'm a, I'm a, like a studio assistant, like a, you know, the grad students who come and help you mix your paints and things like that. So that's what I am. And what I do is help you kind of, um, deal with the trauma that gets in the way of you accessing the truth of your infinite, beautiful spirit your your truth of who you are that's what i'm here for that's what i do i love that yeah you know being able to perceive your purpose in life and you know just having these beautiful experiences and you know you're talking about having an experience with like unity consciousness with unconditional love and you achieved that through this technique of tapping and meditation so you know like i feel like a lot of people are like well what do i have to do i have to die to like have this spiritual experience and you don't you know and i love that you're here sharing about the fact that you don't have to die to have some kind of profound spiritual experience. There's so many different modalities for us to achieve spiritual awareness. So the only thing that came up for me while while you were, were talking, and thank you again for sharing so vulnerably and authentically, was that you said something about like that. Okay, so I'm kind of envisioning the way that I'm seeing like this paint. And look, I'm thinking of like the paint at, you know, like the app on on a PC, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's really like, elementary like it's just really simple you know and I'm thinking like okay if if we're here to either create from love or fear like do you kind of see it as a linear process do you think each life we're trying to be more love centered or can it go back and forth or is linear even a thing linear is not a thing linear is a perception of the physical body because of our experience of the seasons and day and night and and decay 
because in the world, everything decays, you know, um, rocks break down, trees break down and our bodies break down, etc. I had a profound experience with um, a, a prophetic dream when I was about 16. It was just, it was weird and random, but it was so specific. I woke up, that's so, so weird. And then two years later, I was in that exact location that I had dreamt about that I thought was a made up dream location. And um, it was around the time that I was studying Catholicism as, as a young adult wanting to kind of know more. I did adult catechism and so on. And I couldn't reconcile the idea of free will with the idea, because I know that it was a precognitive experience that I'd had. And so again, I just kind of sat down with my guides, which I didn't know were guides. <laughs> it was just this at presence. And I said, what's going on? And what I was shown, <clears throat> I'm going to be putting, I've got a book that I'm going to be writing soon um, called I Am Not That, uh, Making Sense of Mindfulness. And in this, in this um, experience, I was shown a sphere. And you know how in a sphere that time was spherical. That's what I was shown. It's spherical and, I, and not circular, spherical, because in a sphere, every point in that sphere has multiple, like infinite other points going in other directions. And you can trace what looks like a straight line if you kind of trace your way through the sphere. But at any point, you can go in multiple different directions and all of those different potentials are there. And there are more likely, like if you go here, it's more likely that if you keep going in that straight line, this is the what will happen and then this and this and this. But at any point, you can do anything else. And that that's how our lives are. Um, all of these experiences are happening all at once. And we drop. And when I did that past life regression, it was a uh, simultaneous life regression. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, yes, I, I experienced a lot of what you're sharing in my own spiritual experience as well. And, you know, it's very challenging to be able to articulate it in words. You just did a great job. I love the visualization of this of the sphere because, yeah, you know, like there's a million points on the sphere or an infinite amount of points, you know, because like there's also inside the sphere as well. You That's know? what I mean. That's what I'm right. saying inside the sphere yes. and, and the boundaries the sphere were given to me just because my human brain couldn't understand beyond the sphere. Yes. But that sphere is infinite. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, and I, and I love that concept of infinity. It's another concept for me that really gives me a lot of freedom in my human experience. If I know, if I believe that, or I mean, like I know, you know, like this is like one of my knowings that everything is happening all at once in multiple different realities, multiple timelines, past lives, future lives, this life, alternate lives of this incarnation. I don't have to worry about anything. Like everything is always working out, you know, like even if it's not working out the way that I want it to in this timeline, when, when I say I, I mean my ego, if it's not working out the way that I think is ideal, I know that it is somewhere else, you know, and that, yes. that for me gives me a lot of freedom. I love that you said that because instantly that awareness that you arrived at, it gave you you're creating more from love than fear. And when people say, well, creating, I'm not creative. It's like, everybody's creative. Uh, when you make, every time you make a choice, you're being creative. 
if that choice is to have this for breakfast or that, or the choice is to help that old lady across the street or not, you know, to bring up a kind of cliched example. Yeah. I used to think, you know, like I, I used to feel like I was very creative and, you know, part of my story is that I was an active addiction for a large chunk of my human life and an active addiction. I thought that I was so creative and I thought that it was the substances that were making me creative. And when I let go of them, I was like, oh my goodness, I'll never be creative again. And I, and then I came into the awareness that this is the most creative thing that I could ever do. You know, the story of my life, you know, because I believe in pre-birth planning and it sounds like you do as well from just from everything that you shared. This is my soul's most sacred art, the life that I'm living today, the life that I'm sharing with other people. Like this is me being able to really express myself creatively. And now even just in my human life, you know, like I get to design my spirituality. You talked about designing yours. That's a beautiful sense of creative freedom. You know, like every aspect of my life is creative today. It doesn't mean that like I'm painting pictures or like writing songs or anything. It just means that like I I am a divine co-creator of my experience. Every thought that I have constructs some part of my reality. I want you to put a pin in that sentence. You just said my soul's most sacred art. You need to write a book called that. That is such a great sentence. Because, you know, it's equally um, noble, honorable, sacred to have a life where you go and sit on a mountaintop and just meditate and be a monk for your entire life. And someone who just is completely um, unconscious their whole life and they just kind of watch TV all the time. That's sacred, too. It's all sacred. (laughs) It totally is. I love that. And, you know, like there is no wrong way to go about it. You know, like even as you were sharing about like creating from love or from fear, you know, I believe that some people come here to experience fear. You know, like some people come to create just out of a fear based thought system because they want to, you know, like their soul wants to experience that. And, you know, for me, like, who am I to take that away from from somebody? I'm nobody to take away their experience. Like that's what their soul signed up for. But I know that people that are looking for a different way of thinking or who have had experiences, they magnetize to people like us, people that are healers that are here to spread knowledge, to guide, to, you know, like just be a friend to, to be a good listener. You know, like I find that my most, yeah, some of my most sacred relationships are just one where I just sit and listen, you know? Absolutely. And um, as far as the fear goes, uh, the fear enables us to experience contrast. So it has a purpose. You know, it's like I always think of it like it's like a if you go to Magic Mountain or something, you know, you you know, you plan, you've got the little brochure and there's the one called, you know, Terror of Doom. And then there's one called like the Backbreaker. And you're like, ooh, let's do the Backbreaker and then Terror of Doom. And nobody goes, oh, those are going to be uncomfortable for our bodies. Well, yeah, you do. As you get older, you go, <laughs> I'm not going to do those. I've done a lot of those in my youth. But if you were born on one of those rides, you would think life was pure hell. But Part of the purpose of spirituality, I think, is to remind you that you bought the ticket. It's just a short ride and you get to get off and you wanted the experience. So I did this new thing I've just started doing recently. I tap on most stuff that comes up for me because it's lifelong. It's not like I've tapped away everything. Like I never have any any um, problems anymore. It's just that knowing that I can, I have this tool and I can deal with them often. I don't tap when I should because I, I can tap and get rid of it. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm going to work on my website. But 
one of the things that came up for me recently was um, I was having this experience and I was feeling sad about something. And I suddenly said, I'm doing such a good job of feeling contrast right now. Instantly, it changed into a different experience. It didn't make the sadness go away, but it was like a part of me went, what? Oh, you knew that? And it was like, suddenly the sadness was this experience that I was so much bigger than. And so that's going to be in my book too, but that's just oh, yeah. for anybody who wants to try that. Any emotional discomfort or, or it, you know, a self-loathing thought, doesn't matter what it is. It's an experience of, of fear or negativity. Just say to yourself, wow, I this is exactly what I chose in this moment. This feeling of extreme contrast. Oh, I'm doing such a good job of feeling contrast right now. Just experiment. I would love to hear what people yeah, well, and you know that's also a concept in a course in miracles that everything yeah. I yeah I, I have chosen everything that I experience I've literally been like in the throes of emotional desperation open up a, opened up a course in miracles to a random page and read exactly what you just explained and I'm just like <laughs> sitting there like okay like fine I really really you know like. It's so much in the moment. It feels like such a tidal wave of emotion. Like, why would I want to experience contrast? You know, like when I can just experience happiness, but you know, like you shared before, like, I think heaven might actually be boring. <laughs> I think that it might be really That's boring <laughs> to just sit in unconditional love all the time. I mean, why else would we come here? And I love the roller coaster analogy that you used. I have one similar to that, you know, like some people come to earth to just ride the teacups and they don't even spin the wheel. They just want to sit on the teacup ride and that's okay too you know and then some of us are on like the roller coaster that only goes in loops and, and doesn't stop and it's upside down and it's 200 miles an hour um but yeah it ends you know and it's only 16 seconds on the ride and and you know that's like the important that's the important part yeah wow I could sit and talk to you all day thank you so Likewise. much for coming out and and yeah introducing yourself to the community and just and sharing about yourself is there anything else that you'd like to share to feel more complete about our time together uh if anybody wants to know more about EFT uh the go to well uh, i'm a trainer for evidence based EFT anybody can do the training it's online go to evidence based uh, evidence based eft.com my website is naomi at or sorry it's HTTP, WW, whatever, uh, ozfreedomtechniques.com. So O-Z-O-Z, freedomtechniques.com. I have lots of, there's free, you can learn to tap for free. You should only tap on trauma with a ther with, with a, a, a practitioner, but you can do tons and tons of self-tapping and make lots of progress like I did on my depression without needing a practitioner. It shouldn't be a barrier. Lots of resources online. Um yeah, it reach out if anybody wants more information. I can just send you free resources and get people on a tapping journey. I love that. And there'll be links in the show notes for this episode so that people can reach out to you. Again, thank you so, so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me today. Yes, thank you. So fun talking to you. All right. Be wavy. <laughs> <laughs>